Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. Every Sunday, our readings are selected by a resource called a lectionary. Specifically, we use the revised common lectionary, created sometime in the 1980s by a group of scholars from the Roman, Lutheran, Methodist, Disciples of Christ, Presbyterian, Episcopal, and several other traditions, who in their wisdom selected the passages we read each Sunday. Using a lectionary, rather than allowing the ridiculous clergy to select each week's readings, provides several benefits. One, over a three-year period, we read almost the entire Bible. Second, the congregation and clergy are protected from the temptation to read only their favorite passages or the passages that align with their worldview. Third, we sometimes, we are sometimes challenged to read passages that make us uncomfortable, and we must wrestle with and confront our discomfort. And fourth, we have the benefit of knowing that many of our sisters and brothers in Christ are hearing the same thing in their houses of worship this weekend. That being said, the one drawback to using a lectionary is that sometimes these passages seem to exist in a vacuum, singular stories that never allude to or build on or interact with anything else in the breadth of Scripture. But Scripture does not behave like that at all. Scripture is very self-referential, especially the New Testament to the Old Testament. The New Testament assumes that the reader knows the Old Testament like the back of their hand. Often we read, when we read the New Testament, we miss imagery from the Old Testament. Moreover, especially the Gospels, Scripture assumes that you are reading it in totality, or at least in large chunks, not the little nibbles we get on a Sunday. So because of this reality, sometimes we miss the full import or message behind a reading. Now, you might be asking yourself, why is, ben, uh, why is Ben subjecting us to this gripping exploration of the lectionary? I could be working in the yard or wandering blissfully through the Sunday paper. I was expecting something with a bit more joie de vivre. Well, we are a liturgical tradition after all, and a little nugget of liturgical education every now and then is a good thing. We have to keep up with all these new confirmands. And also, in today's gospel, we encounter a prime example of a reading that benefits from context. And when we explore that context, a seemingly two-dimensional passage 
becomes very much 3D. John wrote, Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate there is a pool which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? Now on one level, we could encounter this moment in the ministry of Jesus as another garden variety healing, granted to those who are healed and those who desire healing today. A garden variety healing is pretty blankly blank miraculous still. But the more we read, the more we learn. Listen again to the invalid's response. In response to Jesus' profound question, do you want to be made well? He says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. The invalid does not say, praise the Lord, or you are the Messiah, or just a simple thank you. But the guy practically whines back at Jesus. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. He probably didn't even send Jesus a thank you note. But he is healed anyway. What are we to make of that? But after our reading, after Jesus instructs the invalid to stand up, take your mat, and walk, a few verses after verse 9, the Jesus and the now formerly invalid man meet again, this time in the temple. And Jesus says to the man, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. And the man went away and told that it was Jesus who had made him well. What was this man's sin? Sin is not mentioned in the gospel passage. No one says what the man did, not Jesus, not the invalid, not the religious authorities. Was it some mysterious sin in his youth, so horrible that he was punished by a 38-year debilitating illness? Was it a sin of his parents or his family? Was the sin being healed on the Sabbath? Or carrying his mat on the Sabbath? Jesus' response to that Sabbath critique was quite pithy. Jesus says, my father is still working and I also am working. As my kids say, sick bird. No, it is none of those. The man's sin was his lack of response. Here was someone who was most likely an outcast, the lowest of the low due to his long illness. And so his lack of social graces is understandable. I would certainly be a grumpopotamus if I had been sick for 38 years. But once he is healed, once God reaches out and touches his life, he must respond. This man did not deserve to be healed. This man did not ask to be healed. This man, as odd as it might sound, may not have wanted to be healed. But as human beings, beings made by God and in the image of God, when we encounter God, we instinctually respond in some way. We may celebrate, we may pay it forward, we may ignore, or we may refuse. Any of those sound familiar? Any of us fall into that last category and consciously or unconsciously avoid God's grace? I know I do. 
How many of us, despite our deep and persistent woundedness, don't ask to be healed? We don't deserve to be healed, but thanks be to God, God does not ask us to earn God's grace. So we, the invalid and all of us, who have encountered Christ and have been healed in some way, we must respond. We are called to acknowledge our brokenness and celebrate how we are healed. We are called to go and to tell who healed us and how we have been changed. We are called not only to pick up our own mat, but help others pick up theirs. Now pardon me while I brag on my better half for a moment. Last Friday, the University of Mississippi Medical Center held commencement exercises, during which my beloved wife received her PhD, and our own William Flowers became a doctor of medicine. But I also was struck by something that Interim Chancellor Larry Sparks said to the graduates. After all the names, and there were many names, after all the names had been read, he gave them this charge. We will follow your careers with interest and take pride in the contributions you make in your chosen disciplines and to the communities in which you choose to live. May your futures be filled with blessings, centered in service, and bring you peace. Blessings, service, and peace. All of us, not only the class of 2019, are called to a life of blessings, service, and peace. We will be blessed by our God. We are called to respond with gratitude and with service. And then we will know peace. And then we will truly be healed. Amen.